0: Welcome to The Perfect Storm, a bi-weekly podcast for business executives and cybersecurity professionals. Industry veterans Michael Markulek and Matthew Webster chat with guests about the latest cyber news, threats, and trends, and how all of it impacts their businesses. Harbor Technology Group is a cybersecurity consulting firm that offers advisory services to the SMB. Harbor believes by taking a proactive rather than reactive approach to cybersecurity, business leaders can develop a cybersecurity program that will address external requirements, exceed client expectations, and ultimately take their organization to the next level. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses.
1: Welcome back to another episode of The Perfect Storm. I've got a great guest with us today. Scott Shober is the president and CEO of BV Systems, a New Jersey-based provider of advanced world-class wireless test and security solutions. Scott is also the best-selling author of three books, Hacked Again, Cybersecurity is Everybody's Business, and Senior Cyber. Scott, welcome and, and glad to have you with us today.
2: Yeah, great to be here with you, Michael. Look forward to chatting with you.
1: If you would take a couple minutes, give us your background and and kind of you know tell us how you got into this uh, into this cyber business.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I guess it's the long short story. I've had one job my entire life. It's working here at Berkeley Veritronics. It was founded by my father. It's actually we're celebrating fifty year anniversary this year, which is kind of unique. And um, we're really a design company. People come to us with their problems and we provide complete design solution and really growing up in the business. I think I started in sixth grade, fixing keypads and learning how to solder electronics. And I went to to school, Kane University for computer science and later to uh, New York University for graduate studies. Um, And always been enthralled with with technology. I grew up as a gamer, uh, you know. Uh, pirating games for Apple and Atari and collecting games and hacking into the bulletin board systems. And you know, the, the predate of the, the internet era. So I was kind of always a, a guy that loved hacking as well as my brother, who's a partner now in the business. Um, and then over the years, we really uh, found a niche in developing wireless test tools that's built used to build out the, the cell tower. So we really understand what makes, phones work, mobile phones, all, all the way back from the first generation to the, the 3G to 4G to the migration to the fifth generation now. And in the process of that, this goes back a little 10 plus years, we, we learned a lot about the vulnerabilities of smartphones and wireless communication and how bad guys could exploit that. So a fair amount of what I did was in talking to people, educating via customers at trade events, I'd go in and, and speak. I would say, hey, here's some ways that practical things you could do to stay safe and and you know protect yourself and your wireless and so on and so forth. Well, in the process of all that, I got a target on my back. Next thing I know, I had the bad guys, the hackers, some notorious hackers, going after me just to, to quiet me down. And eventually, what happened was our company was targeted and hacked, and 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 it was across the board: uh, debit card, credit card, Twitter hacked, a repeated DDoS attacks to our website, so we had no online commerce. Finally had $65,000 stolen out of our checking account. And I said, oh, boy, this is, this is serious. And did a little research and dug in after it became a federal investigation and learned it is painful when your company is targeted and hacked. Um, so I, I learned a lot in the process. I thought, geez, here we are as a security company, a wireless security company. We're safe. I was wrong. so And and in the process, I learned a lot of practical things that you can do to keep safe and secure yourself, your employees, your organization. That doesn't cost a whole lot of money, but the majority of businesses out there just don't do it. They get complacent. And uh, hence, the the, the book, Hacked Again, was my first book. I'm not a writer, but enough people heard about the story. Um, I I did get a, a call from Associated Press. Somehow they heard about it and said, Hey, we're doing a piece on companies getting hacked. We'd like to interview you. Would you go on the record and tell us? I'm thinking, Oh gosh, no, I don't want to tell anybody. And I sat there and said, well, all right, maybe I'll share my story, but you got to let me tell it my way. And let me share my, my misgivings and the things I did wrong with the things I learned. So at least other business owners won't go down the same path I did. And they agreed to it and they put the story out, got a lot of publicity. and, And right after that is when I, was encouraged to start writing a book, and it took about two years to get my story to a finished, published book. I was a self-published author. Very painful, but once you learn the the goods and bads, it gets easier to write. And uh, hence, putting out the second book, Cybersecurity is Everybody's Business, and the third book, it was a uh, Senior Cyber, helping seniors learn a little bit about cybersecurity and empowering them to, to use the internet and computers and and stay safe from scammers and hackers. Um, so that's kind of my, my, my story in a nutshell. And in the process of that, I, I pivoted our company where we were making um, wireless test tools, transmitters, receivers, propagation analysis to build out the cell sites, as I mentioned, to more cyber related tools. So these are cybersecurity wireless threat detection tools that, that really focus on our expertise in the wireless sector and keep USDOD agencies safe from any type of wireless threats. And we also have a line of products that um, keep you safe from skimmers. So if you don't, you don't get your credit card skimmed at a gas pump or an ATM and things like that. So we're constantly developing tools and technology that keep people safe. Um, one recently we're just about to uh, release soon is one to help with um, Bluetooth for the air tags, for all the tracking and stalking that's going on, making low cost, affordable tools to help combat the problem of being stalked by these these psychos out there. So it's been a lot of fun and uh, it's constantly changing. And that's what I love about my day.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the threat landscape continues to evolve. Um, yeah. And I think you'll agree, what we've seen over the last decade is a shift from, you know, uh, cyber criminals, you um, Attack vectors focused at large organizations, mm-hmm. really towards the SMB, um, yeah. and the small and medium sized businesses really don't have the resources, right? You know, it's, they're not bringing in a hundred thousand dollar Deloitte consultant. They're yeah. not, you know, they're not investing in gold plated Palo Alto firewalls, right? They're <laughs> they're taking the firewall that they get from you know Comcast or Verizon, Um and, and let's be clear, Comcast or Verizon is not paying a lot for that firewall they're putting in your you know, your, your cable modem. Um, so I think I've seen that shift uh, towards the small and medium-sized business. And I know, y- y- you know, you've got some expertise in that kind of space. Let's just start. I mean, what are the top things that small and medium-sized businesses can do to kind of protect themselves?
2: Oh yeah. And I talk about this a lot. In fact, especially in my second book, Cybersecurity is everybody's business. Cause that's targeting small business owners, small to medium-sized businesses. And probably the most common thing that, that I deal with, and I'm sure you deal with this as well, and anybody that's in that, the world of realm of cyber, always starts out with passwords. I can't stand passwords. I talk about it until my eyes are bleeding. But fundamentally, every breach that I've done research on, when you dig down at some point, usually there's always a password or passwords that were compromised on a sticky note, weak passwords, whatever the case may be. So I always encourage people Really, education on what is a a strong password that's hard to hack is something that's going to be long. I usually encourage at least 15 characters. Something you could never remember is usually pretty secure or use a passphrase to make it a little easier to remember. And I I encourage people to use a good password manager so it stays encrypted, creates the long, strong passwords. All you got to remember is that one master password that hopefully never gets compromised and, and you stay relatively safe. Um, there are other things you can use depending upon your browser and such. If you have a good, um, you know, uh, uh, keychain passwords that are used, like I use Apple a lot, and that, that that's secure. You, you do have to use caution with some things, and I still use traditional BlackBook. I have for the the near and dear, real strong passwords and sites I need to get to. I write the passwords down, and I uh, employ layers of security. And a lot of people laugh at me, even my fellow cybersecurity. Um fellows will say, come on, you write passwords down. So we tell people not to do, but guess what? If you employ layers of security, I write, write them down in my little black book, lock them in my safe, locked office, locked building cameras, alarms, they're safe. And I haven't had a problem with that. Whereas if you write them down on a sticky note or bottom of your keyboard or draw, they're going to get compromised. So I always start with companies when I go and start with the basics. And then of course, build on that, helping them appreciate the importance of never reusing the same password across multiple login sites and, and branch out from there. And and those are things that really don't cost money. Right. Common sense, basic best practices.
1: And and it's funny you mentioned, you started with and mentioned passwords because (coughs) so many people reuse passwords. So many use their work, um, you know their work email address is their username, um, mm-hmm. and they're using it not just for work-related things, but for their personal bank accounts. You know their fantasy golf league, whatever it <laughs> happens to be. Um, and what happens is is that we find folks get compromised there, right? Yeah. You you know you you, you get fished, and you wind up you know putting into what you think is LinkedIn your email, your email address, and your password. Well, that's the same password you're using for your, you know, Office three sixty five account, and now you've been compromised, and, and yeah. you put your business at risk. The other thing I, I, I I've noticed in this is, is the problem really tends to be more at the management layer, right? The, you know, mm-hmm. It's the senior managers in the organizations that are not following the rules, yeah. right? They don't want to rotate their passwords. They don't want to use a password manager, right? Your accounting department, they they're trying to do the right things. It's management that that often is the uh, the weak link in the chain.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. You said that. Cause that's, that's what I found. Also I'll go into an organization and, and the, the people that are doing a lot of the, the daily routine work, the employees, they'll get the cyber training. They'll employ strong passwords. They're like, Scott, I'm using multi-factor authentication. I read about it in your book and I haven't reused the same password anymore. And now they're long and strong. Duh, duh, duh. And, and yet management will find out, well, you know, they clicked on the wrong thing in a phishing attack or they had a, a weak password that was compromised. They had in a sticky note because they were too lazy to change it. Um, and, and they're the they're the culprits that are the problem. Yet they're always the ones blaming everyone else. So I always a- a- encourage people when they look at an organization, cybersecurity best practices need to be implemented from the CEO down to the janitor. So in, in other words, the, hence the, the title of my book, Cybersecurity is Everybody's Business. It's all of our responsibility to take passwords serious, even though we're sick of talking about them and sick of hearing about how they're, they're always part of the problem. Um, we could make it part of the solution if we do make them strong. And there's other things we could do too. Something as simple as, as I always share with people, say you're logging onto your bank, you're at a different location than where you normally log on with your computer, Hence, the bank sees a different IP address and location. And then what do they do? They pop up the the old security challenge questions. And how do you answer, Scott, what high school did you attend? Well, there's an opportunity to put in a unique password, something that is only near and dear to me instead of putting Edison High School. Why? Because anybody can go on the Internet in 30 seconds, do a Google search and find out what high school I went to. So don't answer security challenge questions. Honestly, use that as an opportunity as an added layer of security, just like multi-factor authentication, that added layer of security will make it a lot harder for cyber criminals to hack into your
1: account. Well, it's interesting because, you you know, and not that I'm a Facebook user, but my wife is and, and she's like, should, you know, they, they fill out forms. You know, what's your pet's name? First pet's name? Where'd you go to high school? And, and you think you're sending that out to your friends, but no, that's Mm-mm. somebody, you know, data, you know, data mining, scraping that data and, and, and Absolutely. using it. Yep. So I, two things I want to I, I, I want to cover out of some of the things you mentioned. You mentioned awareness training, cyber awareness training. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, some organizations invest in cyber training and, and be successful with it. You know, we've read articles that, you know, that suggest that cyber training may not be all it's cracked up to be. Um, you know, I personally found that, you know, simulated phishing and, and well-targeted training works. But I'd like to get your uh, your thoughts on the subject.
2: Yeah, I I think it does work and it is effective. Um, Everybody knows, probably know before they're the, they're the the biggest guys in the business In fact I I spent some time with them actually last week when I was out at at black hat and got to chat with about a half dozen different know before employees. They're great guys and I've had them on my podcast and vice versa and interviewed a lot of them. Um, It works. It is effective. Um, it, It does cost some money. It does take time. I think that the challenge with any type of, Awareness training is you got to make it fresh, keep it engaging to motivate people to make change. If it's the same old thing again and again and people can just click the buttons and get through it, it it doesn't work too well. And and there's lots of different companies, big and small, that offer it. The key is that you're doing something, I think. If you're not doing any type of awareness training and you're not incentivizing it or making it fun or helping your employees to make the connection, it's probably not going to work. And they're gonna tune out, they're gonna forget, they're still gonna click on it. And and nothing's a hundred percent. I always like to bring that out. You can spend money on awareness training and give them books and articles, everything across the board. Bottom line, it comes down to people changing people in the way they work. And it can be challenging because cyber criminals know our weaknesses, they know how to easily social engineer through us, they know we're gonna pick. Pets' names for our passwords. They know that we tend to click on things if they visually look stimulating. So they they use all the the known human weaknesses against us, and we keep falling for it again and again and
1: again. Yeah, no doubt, right? You know, it's the my 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 information technology networking days kind of go back to yours, right? You know, Mm -hmm. trying to see what's inside of those Atari cartridges. Um, Yes, but you know. I, I make a joke when I do presentations around the Nigerian Prince.
2: Yep. Sure.
1: You know, who fell for the Nigerian Prince? Well, nobody in the room raises their hand, but ultimately people did and they continue to fall for it. And I just think it's, uh, I, I think awareness training done well, meaning that it, it, it is repetitive, you know, that, that it's done often. It's not PowerPoint and donuts anymore. Short three to five minute videos once a month, vary the topics keep it interesting, keep keep people engaged. And I think you can really bring down your uh, your risk level by doing so. Yeah. The other thing that you mentioned that I, I'd really like to touch on and maybe spend a little bit of time on is, you know, the kind of idea of defense and depth. Uh, you mentioned a couple of times, no system is perfect. No password system is perfect. No training system is perfect. No firewall is perfect. But this this idea of defense in depth and making sure that, you know, you've kind of layered yourself in security is really as I advise small and medium-sized businesses what they need to do, right? Oh, yeah. You don't have to be perfect at any layer, but I think if you have got all the layers together, you know, you start to approach that, you know, three nines, five nines kind of security that everybody wants. Yeah,
2: that's I, I, a good point, point. and I think sometimes we think about security, you hear about terms or defense you know, depth and, and layers, and, and people tune out quickly, deer in the headlights. It's complex. There's going to be jargon. I won't understand it. And and it's actually kind of opposite from that. A lot of times I always try to say is let's let's keep it as simple as we can. Let's cover the very basics so that we could start creating a strong cyber posture. I I like to always relate with people. This example, I think about what's the most common way that uh, cyber criminals get into a company and and say it's a law firm. It could be a bank. It could be a small business. Doesn't matter Um, typically. and And again, I'm talking with Penetration testers and vulnerability assessments, companies that do that for a living. I, I asked them that question. I said, hey, I'm curious. Because they, they did that for, they provided a penetration test and vulnerability assessment for our company after we were compromised a few years back. I said, what's the most common way people get into companies, a small business? Uh, they said, Wi-Fi. I said, really? I said, most common. I said, they said, don't, they don't even have to get in the building. They said, most common ways, they'll pull up in the parking lot, and they'll do war driving and they'll try to hack into the network. And oftentimes they'll have some success and oftentimes they'll fail. So then they take the next step. step. They, they, they gave me the example, the most common thing that they see. And they, they cater to a lot of law firms is pull up in the parking lot and someone will uh, try to get into the network if they can't hack in then they'll place a phone call on the, the 1-800 number to the front desk and say, hey, how you doing? This is, uh, you know, Mr. McGinnis here. I'm trying to get a proposal over to John Smith. I, I know he's really busy with a lot of cases. I have to get this proposal over. It's a large job. And for some reason, I just can't remember the password to your Wi-Fi network. If you could just share that with me, I can get the email through. He'll get that in two seconds and he'll be happy. And the receptionist goes, oh, let me get Mr. So-and-so. No, 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 don't, don't bother him. Just, just if you just give me the Wi-Fi password, I'll be able to email that right over. And they go, oh, OK, hold on one second. It's password one, two, three. And they go, oh, thank you so much. Boom. They're in. Now they get in, get into the computer network, work laterally, play some malware, start collecting things, so on and so forth. So it, it, that there's a combination of kind of social engineering with a mixture of maybe the right buzzwords at the same time and jargon to put, you know, to comfort the person that's answering the phone and convince them um, a little bit of, of a catch me if you can with, uh, you know, yep some of the technique that's being used there, which I think is very effective. And that does work. And, I, and when I think about people in the industry that use social engineering to try to, you know, get in through the door, into the computer, to get the passwords, to get to the next level, it's still one of the most effective tactics. And the, and the way to compromise is what we were talking about before, Michael, is, is really um, education and awareness so you don't fall victim, where you stop and question things. And until we stop and question things, be it a phishing email, be it a phone call, a text message, somebody at our front door, all of these different techniques that cyber criminals use and social engineering pros use, they're going to get through every time unless we really stop and question it. So um, I think that's really important for, for all companies of all sizes to really make that part of their education and understanding so that they can really put up a wall and stop the majority of the threats and the bad guys from getting in
1: right yeah. so to pivot away from small medium sized businesses um i did notice your final book cyber C- cyber senior um senior, read, cyber, yes. senior cyber i read a a, a statistic a, i don't know 6 months 8 months ago that 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 minors and seniors um you know have you know three times more likely to have identity theft than a regular adult Um, and that, that, that stuck with me. And when you were mentioning the the titles of your book, I mean, is there advice, you know, kind of a, you know, the, the quick and easy for seniors, for minors on, on, you know, what you do to prevent that identity theft, because it's, it's a growing problem. You know, my mom and and dad down in Florida get hit all the time with scams, whether they be, you know, the phone call that says their grandson's in jail or, you know, somebody's trying to sell them a metal roof. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it, it just, it, it seems that it's gotten a little bit overwhelming in that community. And I don't know if you'll link the the, the the underage and the seniors in the same group, but uh, any advice for them? I,
2: I, I do I do separate it a little bit because some of the younger ones are a little more tech savvy, especially with, with smartphones and things like that. So yet they're still very gullible in what they click on and how much they share. So there, there's a lot of parallels, but there's also some, some distinctions. So with seniors, I try to focus on helping, empowering them so they're not so intimidated with technology. The The challenge with a senior is they're very nervous to click and, and do this or that. So if somebody at the other end reassures them and steps them through a process, they're going to follow almost blindly. They're very trusting, maybe a little bit naive. They're very smart seniors, and they also tend to have a little more disposable income, and they have more time on their hands typically. So they are perfect targets for a cyber criminal that can be patient enough to steer them through technology, to fool them, to divulge a bank account, to divulge their identity, social security number, so on and so forth. <clears throat> so I, I literally stepped through in senior cyber, with very large font to make it easy to read. I step people through exactly what you talked about, those different types of scams that actually happened to my parents, that happened to my, my grandfather, um, who, who was technologist, who is, was tech savvy, yet he was still fooled because of, again, that innocence and the trusting and the time factor. So I think as seniors read through senior cyber, they'll quickly learn. Uh, it, it, they can still use computers and technologies and smartphones, but they have to use caution. And I caution them immediately. When that phone rings and someone asks you for any personal information, use it as an opportunity to put that person at the other end of the phone on the defense. So what I like to do is, you know, say I get a phone call, Mr. Schober, this is you know bank of America fraud department, and we have suspicious activity on your credit card ending in one, two, three, four. Do you have a minute just that we can verify who you are? And I say, absolutely. But this is a really important call before I do anything else in case it gets dropped. Can I just get your your phone number and your name real quick and click they hang up, right? right. Why? Because it's a fraudulent call. So sometimes, put the onus back on them, put the defense on them to make them provide you with some information. If they're not going to provide you with any information, don't talk to them and don't give them any information. And I stepped through the process of, of, of what a spoofed call is and phishing attacks, how to analyze them and dig in. So making it very simple for seniors so they can identify it quickly. I I mean, it's, 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 it's no big surprise. Why is phishing attacks used every single day? why are so many emails, junk emails and phishing emails sent out? One stat I read, and I always share this when I present, every single day, obviously millions upon millions of emails are dispensed. Over 80,000 people each and every day click on a phishing email that dispenses malware. 80,000 plus people every single day. So when when you mentioned before about the Nigerian print scam and all these others, they work because all it takes is one person to click on it. But yet here we got over 80,000 people every single day clicking on it. That's making cyber criminals a lot of money, especially when they launch more advanced ransomware campaigns and demand more money and so on and so forth. If it's lucrative and it works, they're going to continue to do it until it stops working.
1: Right. Well, Scott, I mean, we could talk all day. I think there's a lot of subjects here, but thank you for your time and certainly thank you for the information. Um, you know, uh, obviously in in the notes we'll put out, you know, we'll give you uh, our, our viewers a way to uh, reach out and contact you. One of the things that we do, we're Harbor Technology Group. We like to have a little fun, uh, you know, within the serious subject of this. Um, and if you've ever been to our website, we got pictures of uh, of harbors and ports and, and locations around the globe. I like to ask our guests if they've got any tropical location, any harbor, any port Um you know, that you recommend to the listeners and, you know, at that location, any place to get a, you know, a cold beer and a, and a hot burger would be great.
2: Well, I, I, I certainly actually, as we were talking earlier, you mentioned Cape May. Cape May is one of the places that I love to always go with my wife. We would go down there just to, to do nothing because it's an easy beach. You can relax and, and chill out. Um, I, I do have actually a house up in North Jersey though. It's on a lake, not exactly a Harbor, but um and and we've got a boat recently so i'm always out there just relaxing and and soaking up the water and cruising around uh doing a little fishing there which is always enjoyable where i like to go for um just a kickback for a burger or beer is kind of in between cape may and and up north jersey and highland lakes where i go which is long valley uh pub and brewery i don't know if you've ever been there it's kind of a nice place a little a little bit out there in in the scenic area in the long valley and chester area which is a little bit different so
1: yeah i've got a uh, aunt and uncle that l- used to live up in hackettstown so uh okay, sure yeah, yeah, yeah i've made that trip a couple of times thank you for your time it's been an absolute pleasure having you um and you know we'll stay in touch probably we'll, we'll probably invite you back for another one and uh, you know tackle you know some other some other issues
2: uh, absolutely look forward to it. thank you so much
0: Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium sized businesses. We would also like to thank Tom Marshall for the original music. Yes, that Tom Marshall from Fish Fame. Harbor's portfolio of services is designed to meet the cybersecurity needs of small and medium enterprises. We offer a range of services from cyber risk advisory to VCSO so consulting to meet specific security requirements without putting a strain on your technology budget. If you like what you heard here, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. We release new podcasts every other week and are available on Spotify and Apple. You can reach us through our website if you have additional questions or suggest a great harbor we should mention on our next show.